Let's take a quick break and hear from today's show sponsor. Are you struggling to close deals? Cold outreach can be a slow and brutal process. And in many scenarios, it's just wasting the time of both the buyer and the seller, especially when business owners who are trying to find qualified buyers are using inaccurate and outdated data. But it doesn't have to be this way. With LinkedIn Sales Navigator, your organization can overcome these challenges by leveraging this amazing technology and platform that translates comprehensive, high-quality buyer data into real-time insights and sales. These deeper insights empower sales reps and teams to adopt the habits of top performers, which leads to much better outcomes like build and bigger pipeline with real customers leading to higher win rates and conversions, and of course, larger deals and paydays all around. We call this deep sales, and LinkedIn has built the first deep sales platform with the next generation of LinkedIn Sales Navigator. Right now, our Millionaire Mindcast family has an amazing opportunity to try LinkedIn Sales Navigator and get a 60-day free trial at linkedin.com forward slash mindcast. That's linkedin.com forward slash mindcast for a 60-day free trial. Let LinkedIn Sales Navigator help you sell like a superstar today. Just go to linkedin.com forward slash mindcast and get started. Yeah, so right now we've got Bank of America launching no a mortgage option for Black and Hispanic first-time home buyers, offering no down payments, no closing costs, and no minimum credit score. They're, I'm not against a program that helps people by any means. Yeah, I mean, their thing is, you know, obviously I think there's some wokeness to this particular product. And at the end of the day, they're trying to help what they believe is the homeownership gap the issue is I if don't, you don't equip people saying, yeah. with the proper tools and resources to solve the root of the problem in the yeah. first place, then that's not going to solve any problems. Ultimately, it's going to create another bubble. What's going on, guys? Welcome into Money Moves, where we cover all things stocks, real estate investing, and personal finance. Today is Labor Day, September Labor. 5th. <laughs> laboring. I was kind of looking back into the history a little bit of uh, Labor Day. And I mean, it's basically as, as simple as it sounds. Yeah. Originally designed to honor workers as part of the American organized labor movement. Obviously, this was back when a lot of people were fighting for fair working conditions. Mm -hmm. And when you think about all of what America has created and built this a short amount of time. This, yeah, I mean, we're we are. I don't know if world power the most the, the youngest, most profitable, most profitable, most, yet, powerful, most powerful nation in, in the, the world. world. And it just shows that it was you know so many different types of laborers and workers that have busted their ass. Especially, I feel like in today's world where a lot of people just want shit easy. Mm -hmm. Now more than ever is like, let's put a little asterisk next to Labor Day and give a shout out to all the people that busted their ass to make life as easy as it is for so many people now today. I feel like a lot of people lose sight of that. So uh, big shout out to all of the families and generations of hard fucking workers that have been out there grinding. Amen. And if you're one of those people too, right now, like I got mad respect for, I mean, I look at the housekeepers in my hotels and how hard they work. I look at the contractors and the laborers. I look at, 
at least a lot of the people in my world that I'm in proximity to and how hard they freaking work. I mean, it's, uh, it's impressive. But at the end of the day, also keep this in mind that hard work doesn't always equal success. No. Hard work doesn't equal wealth and financial freedom as well. It's, a, it's a variable in that equation. But if every person who worked their ass off, you know, every housekeeper, every contractor, they'd all be millionaires. Yeah, there'd be a lot more millionaires. So there's definitely a sense of financial literacy that ties in and pairs with hard work over a long period of time that unlocks amazing results. So don't forget that piece. But big shout out to all the people that are out there, honestly, hustling, grinding, doing whatever they got to do one, two, sometimes three jobs just to make ends meet um, and give the future generation, their kids, their families, an opportunity and a better life. And that's the beauty of America. Yep. That is the best part about America. Everybody has equal opportunity to ball out. Just got to be hard. I mean, not everybody's going to do. The problem with it is, is people don't like to accept the other part of it where not everybody is going to win. Even though everybody can try and be as deserving as the next person that's trying just as hard, you may win, that person may fail or vice versa. Yeah. That's so true. I uh, Part of capitalism. Marie, as you know, and many of you know, launched my wife, who is, um, she's just passionate about reading and writing and, and works her ass off at it. And it's natural to her, but she's obsessed with it. And she's launching her first book, uh, Dyer Lane. And um, she's in kind of some of these book communities. And so I get all the book world drama and, <laughs> you, you know, BS. It's kind of funny. Um, and the book world drama is full of woke, woke, oh, woke, woke people. Well, it's um, because it's a lot of them that your wife, women, <laughs> well, yeah, your wife would do not fit this, but a lot of them are just keyboard warriors. Right? Oh, for they, sure. They just like to hide behind tons of them are male and, and female. Yeah. Um, but one of them was they, the, this community of women, um, got mad at this one woman author because she wrote the book um, one of her characters was an Argentinian woman. And they said, because she wasn't an Argentinian woman, that wasn't her story to tell. And that she should take $200,000 of her book advance and give it to Latinx authors. I love how uh, all the people that... Have you ever seen the video of the kid dressing up? And he's like, he dresses up like in a little fake mustache and like a sombrero with... Like oh, yeah. A, well, and he, um... He walks around a bunch of college campuses and they're all like, yeah. you should not do that. It's not right. And it's all non-Hispanic people. It's, there's it's well, yeah, African-American, uh-huh. Asian, and mostly white, white people. Yep. Like you're doing this. Then he straight goes to, he goes talking to, like, to like little Mexico. Yeah, little Tijuana. And he, and they're like, no, we love it. This is great. This Thank is you for awesome. representing our. Yeah. And he's like, he's, and one guy's like, I know that it's kind of funny, but like, no, it's not a big deal that you're doing that. What's wrong with you doing that? It's that's the funniest part. It's so popular. Again, it's it's the trendy thing. It's like oh, it's popular because I'm gonna I'm gonna stand up for a disenfranchised person, and I have no idea what the fuck I'm talking about. So sorry to stop you there. No, I mean that that's but but what it goes back to to me is like you know people want to just take something away from someone else and give it to somebody else with no logic, rhyme, or reason behind it. And when you think about, just go back to that example, what is his name? His name is Will. I forget his name, but I know. He's a part of like, uh, you know, PragerU and Today's America and some of the kind of um, conservative groups. But he puts out some actually really thought-provoking and interesting content. And I just always think it's funny, right? I mean, that's a perfect example of, you know, trying to take something away from someone else when the people are like, 
a bunch of Latin authors were like, no, like that was an amazing story. Like she told it well, like that was awesome. Like, you know, we love our Hispanic culture. Like, no, this doesn't offend me, right? But people would just want to take things away from other people. And I think that now more than ever is a time to check that shit. Well, yeah, the woke. Like, because we're starting to see it in the polls. We're Mm -hmm. starting to see it in a lot of culture now, really, I think the pendulum swung so aggressively towards woke culture that now it's starting to swing real aggressive back when people are like, nah, nah, this, this doesn't represent us, America, who we are, what we built, you know, our country on. And um, obviously, a lot of that policy and, and that rhetoric and that, you know, mindset drastically can impact a country's financial future. Uh, a family's financial future, an individual's financial ability and opportunity. And so I think uh, you and I were talking about this earlier. I think it's going to be a very interesting midterm. Yep. Well, I don't even know if it's going to be interesting. I think it's going to be a, a slaughter. I think it's going to be huge for the conservative. It doesn't even have to be like, you know, Democrats are going to lose 100%. You're going you're gonna to see more moderate, which again... Repub- there shouldn't be 100% Republicans in office, just like there shouldn't be 100% no. Democrats. Yeah, both, be- both fringe sides suck. Yeah, they But do. then there's the majority of what I feel like America is, which falls in that 80% it's center left and of, center right. Yeah, just yeah. very hey, logical. I, I, I'm, I agree with you on 75% of this, but this little bit I like. Hey, I don't agree with you on abortion. Hey, I don't agree with you on the, the standard stuff. Um, the- yeah, did you see Biden's speech? speech? Yeah, I mean, I it was eerily creepy in terms of like Hitler-esque, like, like podium yelling and screaming against extremist MAGA, you know, conservatives. It was like red curtains in the back and somebody had mentioned something. I don't know if you saw the video that came out, but it was like somebody from CNN had mentioned something about it being like too dark and a little too aggressive. So like as his speech was going on, it started off as like dark red on the curtains. And by the end of the, the, uh, if you could find the clip by the end of his speech, it was like a soft pink almost like they were like, we got to soften the speech up. This vibe is too aggressive right now. And then obviously Trump had his speech this week. And I mean, it was like him talking to a cafeteria and then Trump talking to like a stadium that was sold out. It was, it's just so polarizingly different of who supports what and what narrative is actually following. Liberal media is saying, oh yeah, well, the reason that our rallies are smaller is because we don't, we're not in a cult. So we don't follow our, but the, the funniest part was, is like, I remember Obama when he was going around and he was pulling crowds the size of Trump, sometimes bigger. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And that was, was because he was, you know, an inspiring He had person. a lot of supporters. He had a lot of supporters. Yeah. It's not that way with, uh, with Biden. It's just no. not. And um, again, they're going to push the narrative that, oh, he's still popular. His um, ratings did get back above 42%, um, probably recently due to the, the fact that he, uh, there was an Al-Qaeda leader uh, recently killed. Mm. And then gas prices has, had gone down a bit. Um, still historically high levels and prices all around the nation at the gas pump. I think the people still aren't going to admit, you'll never get a liberal to admit like they're wrong because they use words like, like violence and that's their like weapon. So they don't like to do that. They like to do 
the the people that are the what about isms like that is you know oh what about this or what about when Trump did this or what about when some far right person did this which there's definitely a a lot of that in the um, the GOP party but it's a very very small portion of people yeah believe it or not they're just very loud so the squeaky wheel gets the grease is kind of the old saying which there. again is on both sides I think. You know, a lot of a lot of people who don't like for me, I'm I'm someone that Trump is not my favorite. I am not like openly like, ah, oh, I love Trump, but I love a lot of his policy and mm-hmm. what MAGA stands for. Like the extreme MAGA agenda. Cause I love America, dude. I mean, at the end of the day, me I'm too. so proud to be an American mm-hmm. way before Trump ever came into office Same. or was even on the map. Like I've just always been proud of this amazing country we live in. Yeah, you should have seen my college fraternity, man. We were freaking doing all American flags, you know, <laughs> red, white. We did the red, white, and brew. I mean, it was just, it's always good to be America first. I mean, that's the country we live in. There's well, a lot and, of reasons to be proud of and it. And that's where like when they were attacking MAGA, right? Like there's a lot of people that believe in MAGA and don't like Trump. They believe in, you know, this MAGA agenda, right? Secure borders, fair elections, Mm -hmm. energy independence, tough on crime, save babies, stop genital mutilation of kids, put parents first, school choice, protect constitutional rights, put America first. Like some or all of those things, most Americans Agree with. Yeah, no matter what side of the yeah. street you're on. I mean, I've border security is Democrats. probably one that is not, I don't think a lot of people that are. Which one? I don't think Democrats think the border is unsecure. That's the funniest, the funniest part. Yeah. Um, well, but, you know, what's funny is a lot of people that are coming into, you know, America that are illegals. Yep. A lot of them are conservative. Yeah, they don't want big government in no, there because you know, they, they're dealing. They're, with they're that. running from that. Yeah, so it's it's very interesting. But I think it's going to be uh, the next couple months are going to start to heat up a little bit here, and I so agree. we might be covering a little bit more politics, obviously, because that will tie back into what's going more on money. with the economy, mm-hmm. with money, with your investments. We got a great show for you guys today. A recap of last week's schedule in terms of unemployment, payrolls, what happened there. Um, some interesting headlines and news that are coming out this week uh, in terms of just kind of some global, uh, you know, landscape and economics. We've got uh, some updates for you on oil. We've got some uh, questions from you, the amazing listeners that are tuning in every week and, you know, continuing to look at how do you sharpen your pencil, your financial acts and keep, you know, knocking down uh, milestones and dominoes in your financial journey. So. We've got some hot seat questions from Mr. Breedwell today right. that we'll jump into here in just a quick second. And of course, this date in history and the stock market, always fun to kind of look back on some uh, inflection points of what ultimately has created the economy we now know and understand today. And of course, some updates on real estate. So with that being said, if you're new to the show, welcome. We talk all things money on this podcast, What's up? What's up? right? Stocks, real estate, investing, personal finance to help you on your financial freedom journey. And uh, if you're not subscribed to the show yet, don't forget to hit that subscribe button uh, so you never miss another episode. All we ask is if you haven't left a review, take two minutes to head over to iTunes, drop a review. And if you haven't taken advantage of the free financial x-ray that Ryan and his amazing team do, I mean, it is world-class. We offer it to our Millionaire Mindcast listeners for Free. free. And what do they get with that? Just for those that maybe haven't taken advantage of it, they do have an investment portfolio and they're going, Essentially, I'm going to go through your investments and figure out what the issues are in there. Um, 
there's not always an issue. They're just most of the time tends to be because a lot of the people that end up working with people are like brokers. So they're packaged investment salesmen. They sell you variable life insurance products or loaded mutual funds. They charge you fees when they trade, stuff like that. So we'll go through that. We'll figure out the holes in the issue. I'll have a third party put together a plan to fix those holes. We'll go over what that would look like on an apples to apples comparison. And most of the time we can show somebody, hey, your plan may work or a lot of the times it's not going to work. There's a 42% chance or a 10% chance of a, a successful outcome. And if we make these changes and you do these contributions and you do these things, let's say we take the real, uh, real estate income, we have social security built in, we'll have investment income, we'll have life insurance distributions. We can bake all that in and say, but if you did this stuff, you have like a 96% chance of success and we can get much higher income number than you were even expecting. Like when you retired for money to use for real estate during your investing years, it takes people's investments and turns them into a financial plan and a roadmap for actually what to do. Which really, I mean, I've talked with a lot of you guys from the show and uh, many of you who are just badasses and you know how to go out and make money, but you don't know how to get your money working for you in the way that ultimately is going to unlock the real wealth, the real freedom, the real impact that you're looking for. And that's ultimately was me, you know, five years ago, I knew how to make great money. I knew how to go and invest it into real estate as my vehicle of expertise, but there was this missing piece of this whole wealth building puzzle and picture and pie. And that's where Ryan and his amazing team came in. So uh, that holistic approach where they really fuse together and compound one another when done properly over an extended period of time. And also the fact that it really does build a moat around your finances because when one's not doing so well, like, you know, when... Stocks have been a little shaky the last year or so. This year for me, real estate has been great, but yep. vice versa, right? There's that inverse, you know, correlation to when real estate's not doing as well. You know, you've got some great stuff that the investment side and stocks and long-term life insurance and, you know, Roths and all the cool stuff that you've got working for me, all of those really work well together. And so if you haven't taken advantage of that, you want to text the word X-ray to 844-447-1555. And from all my credited investors out mm-hmm. there that want to get in on more passive income opportunities or see other passive income opportunities, uh, you can text the word DEALS to 844-447-1555 if you want to know more about what investment opportunities I got coming up as well. So let's dig into some questions here today. And for those sure. of you that are listening, you've got questions for myself and or Ryan. Uh, you can text those into that same phone number and uh, we'll put that on uh, the show notes, but it's 844-447-1555. This one came in from Dustin. Tub Dustin. Best company, Ryan, to open a Roth IRA with? I, for my clients, I use TD Ameritrade Institutional, which you cannot use unless you work with an advisor. Um so that's what I use for my clients. They don't charge us or my clients any fees to keep their money there. And then they have a pretty broad spectrum of the items that we're allowed to invest in and buy. So I use TD Ameritrade Institutional. Um, they're completing a merger. TD is right now with Charles Schwab. So that'll eventually be Charles Schwab. Um, but that's what I use. And are there any advantages or disadvantages if they don't go through an institutional level, you know, 
advisor yeah. like yourself, like they could still go do it themselves, but like they're missing out on some additional the, juice, I guess, right? Yeah. The advantages of, of working with an institutional investment advisor like myself is we can buy things that retail investors can't and in ways that retail investors can't. So I can buy fractional shares of essentially any stock um, that is available. Some uh, retail brokers allow you to buy certain stocks um, in fractions. Most of the time, it's ones that trade on the S and P 500, but they don't allow you to just buy you know all your stocks in fractional shares. That's a really nice thing. Um, we will do the trading for you. A lot of people, the biggest issue with um, investors now is they'll normally index and they'll buy and sell at really bad times. Mm. Um, so just a professional level of management. You pay a fee for it. Um, but it's normally can be penciled out to show you that there's value in doing so. So the extra juice you get is just better asset management, better timing on trades. And um, when you, we do buy assets, we can do them in a more efficient manner, as I was alluding to with like the fractional shares and stuff like that. So that ties into our next question from Daniel. Is there ever a time it makes sense to sell? We've all heard Mr. Breedwell say, you don't time the market. Mm-hmm. Right, you're we're, we're long. Yep, but at the same time, I know that we've gotten in and out of stuff as well. So when does it make sense to sell? Generally speaking, we'll have holdings in the portfolio that are not part of the core. So we'll have core holdings, stuff we tend to hold long term, and we pick and choose when to buy. But we'll we'll probably buy that and not get rid of it. Um, and then we'll have lighter weightings of the portfolio: half a percent, third of a percent, one percent. And those are speculative or kind of long shots. And so we may pick up those and sometimes they dog out and that's a good time to get out of there and do some tax loss harvesting. Um, that was like DD Global for us this year. You know, we had some DD, we got out around $9. I think it's trading around $2 now. Mm. Um, but there's, there's opportunity to say, hey, you know, this wasn't a great opportunity. That's why we had it at the back end of the portfolio and it's a small holding. Right. So let's sell that. Let's capture some taxes and then we can offset the gains that we need to do to, to take some money off the table with this really well-performing uh, position. So that's hard to do. It sounds a lot easier than it actually is, but that's what we, that's an appropriate time to sell. Or like um, if you were going to use me as your advisor, normally I don't keep very many of the holdings that people have because I want to buy other stuff. Um, that would be an appropriate time to sell because the, the holdings are not up to par what they should be. So it's a time to sell and reallocate and get them to where they need to be. Um, Those are the times I would say is good to sell. The other time I would say is good to sell is when you're in a short-term speculative position and you have a really high rate of return above your benchmark return that you need. Hey, I'm looking to make 10%. I'm up 44. Why am I being greedy? Let's just go take this money and reposition it elsewhere. Um, I I had a lot of people last year that didn't take that advice from me they're kicking themselves because they're down 100 or 200% from where they were. Um, and that, that can, that's in the options world. That's the thing you, you always have 2020 hindsight. So we've got one final question coming in from Jason. And his question was, why did Michael Burry of the big short sell off all of his stocks? And for those, before you answer that question, just a little context for those that um well one if you haven't watched that movie it's a great movie it is for one um but two he has been somebody that you know now all of a sudden people are paying attention to him because of that one particular 
call, right? Hey, we're going to have a big financial meltdown and crisis. He saw something there. It came to fruition. Now, all of a sudden, he's, you know, some level of an oracle when it comes to predictions, right? So Michael Burry of The Big Short sold virtually all of his U.S. stocks last quarter. Burry's Scion Asset Management held only a 3.3 million stake in Geo Group, a new filing shows. Uh, Scion owned 165 million of stocks at the end of March, excluding its Apple put options, and he essentially got out. So yeah, why? The, well, I think this is why it's always nice because I I read the filing report. He just actually bought. Um, he did. He is in stocks. He's just in a private company. He's in a private prisons. That's what he invested in. If you look it up, he invested in private prisons because he private prisons. Yeah, if you go look it up, he had to disclose why, and he said because of the new hiring of the IRS agents, he believes that there's going to be a lot of people that are getting arrested and going to debt prison, which is something we don't have right now, but are going to be arrested for debt prison. Yep. And so he invested into private prisons, public information. Maybe you didn't know, but now you do. That's why you're here. Um, so yeah, I, I, why did he sell it off? So is he going all in on private prisons? Like making His, a huge stake in that? Yeah. That geo one, I think is what it's called. That is the private prison group. And I'm pretty sure he's just keeping his money on the side. My dad, you know, in his personal account, he's all in cash right now. It's his personal decision. That's what he wants to do. I don't agree with it. I think that that's not smart to do ever because then when you get out of the market, you got to time it to get back in. And that's not smart to do. So I don't ever get 100% out of the market. You shouldn't be investing if you do that kind of stuff, in my opinion. Sorry, dad. Um, (laughs) But... What you can do is when you make investment decisions, you can make them with saying, okay, I'm, I know that I'm going to have Microsoft in my portfolio and I know I may lose money there, but I'm not going to get out of that position. Just when that position goes down, that may be some time to take some of my cash or some of my other winners and reposition them into that. That's an appropriate way to manage your portfolio. What he is doing and what Scion is, is their hedge fund. And that's what hedge funds do. Um, so one of the simplest answers is that's what hedge funds do. They sell constantly. They have very high turnover in their portfolios because they're buying and selling, looking for extremely high rates of return via speculation. That's why you have to be an accredited investor, put your money in there. It's for sophisticated people. His returns over the past couple of years have been pretty terrible. So I'm, they're not looking for him to be consistent win. They're just looking for that one win that's going to make them a crazy amount of money. Um, he has a philosophy that he's following. So the thing I can respect about it is he's consistent. He consistently will follow his investment philosophy, Mm -hmm. even if it's wrong in the short term, because he believes in X, Y, Z. That's his way of doing it. I remember he's big on investing in water. And I think that's a great place to invest like water companies. Um, but I don't know if I agree with fully getting out of the market and going to private prisons. That's again, very speculative would indicate he knows something that everybody else doesn't know. And I don't think that that's a thing. Are you interested in boosting your income by an extra $50,000 this year? If so, you're going to love what I've got in store for you. I am beyond excited to officially announce an incredible opportunity to join me in my exclusive mastermind, which will include myself and 25 other hand-selected investors 
who are actively pursuing commercial real estate in 2024 and want to be held accountable to making sure they buy their first or their next commercial real estate investment property that will net them a minimum of $50,000 a year. This mastermind group will not only teach you how to do that, how to find, how to analyze, how to structure and buy these types of commercial real estate investment properties, but you'll also have an opportunity to be a part of an intimate group of high achievers that are going to take your network and your resources to a whole nother level. But here's the catch. Like I mentioned before, this is exclusive. We're only selecting 25 ambitious individuals for our founding members group who are serious and ready to take that next step in their commercial real estate investing journey. So if you are ready to increase your passive income by at least $50,000 in the next year with commercial real estate investing, then this is your moment. These spaces are gonna fill up fast and trust me, this is the one and only time to be a founding member, which comes with some pretty special benefits. So head over to myfirst50k.com and submit your application now. Again, that's myfirst50k.com. You can head over there, check out the program, see everything that it entails, submit your application to join, and I can't wait to connect with you soon. People knew about the financial crisis in 2008, 2009. They just didn't have the means to do anything about it and could just make profit off of it while it was crashing. So they just decided to kind of hands off and we'll just let regulators fix it. So it was well known, especially by the people at the top and towards the top, what was going on. Mm. They were, there's no reason to tranche money like they were doing, you know, take a bunch of, of crap and then just coat it with a thin layer of sweet icing and then call it A-grade paper. That's that's this kind of stuff that was going on, static CDOs. Kind of like the things that they're doing, like Bank of America was announcing with that lending program. That's scary that you would have, hey, you know, based on your ethnic or racial background and where Bank, you live. Bank of America. You, uh, you can take a no money down loan. Yeah. So right now we've got Bank of America launching no a mortgage option for black and Hispanic first time home buyers offering no down payments, no closing costs, and no minimum credit score. I'm not against a program that helps people by any means. Yeah, I mean, their their thing is, you know, obviously, I think there's some wokeness to this potential, you know, potential uh, particular product. And at the end of the day, right, they're trying to help the what they believe that is the home ownership gap. The issue is, is it's it's and I if don't, you don't equip people saying, with yeah. the proper tools and resources to solve the root of the problem in yeah. the first place then that's not going to solve any problems. Ultimately, it's going to create another bubble for further issues down the road that eventually will pop unless you equip people with the proper tools, resources, and education to be financially literate and or financially stable enough to maintain what responsibilities come with owning a house. And unfortunately, when you look at, you know, the ideology behind this product, it looks and sounds good when you're pandering to specific parties or people to gain support Mm -hmm. and or good PR, which I don't have any issues ultimately with that in the sense of I'd love to see anyone that should have access to gain home ownership, have the ability and means to do so but at the end of the day, when you're talking about no down payments, no closing costs, no minimum credit score, and ultimately there are responsibilities that go along with saving enough 
money to have a down payment, to be able to afford the closing costs, and to have a financial track record that shows your history of what goes into earning good credit gives you the ability to have a stance that you are a capable person of receiving debt. Yep. And that ultimately will give you access to that home ownership. I think there's some holes in this. So it's actually going to be interesting to see how this all plays out. Cause I, I mean, one, it's already against, I mean, it's, it's reverse racism. Yeah. I mean, if they just did a product for white Indians or, or for people. white people, I mean, that is against, in my opinion, the fair housing, housing trade, Act, yeah. you know, a uh, fair housing act. And that just seems, I don't know. seems, it seems like it's illegal. I'm pretty certain that it it is to a degree illegal. I mean, B of A doesn't have some small legal counsel that uh, is going to turn a blind eye. So I'm just curious what loopholes they found that were like, this makes sense. Let's do this. Time will tell. I just, again, I have no problem with deserving people, white, black, brown, male, female. I really don't care about that. Just it wasn't easy to save the money when I got my first house. It just isn't. That's the adversity that is built, you know, character. And it wasn't easy to get on a damn boat and come to America, you know, a couple hundred years ago that people did it. And it's just, it's the, again, the popularity of doing the easy thing and, and acting like, hey, you don't worry about, you have terrible credit, totally fine, because that doesn't matter. That's the type of stuff it, it, Tells people. Yep. And then they're going to expect those type of programs for everything. To continue on. And yeah. then the, the, those products are going to be funded by federal and state grants and taxpayer dollars. And so you have people that are doing the right thing funding a program to help people that may or may not be doing the right thing, but yep. they're going to get it no matter what. It's just the balance. It's so... It, it's... It's so bass backwards that you would reward <laughs> the people that do the exact opposite of what they're supposed to do. Not everybody, but I'm saying as a, as a, as a mm-hmm. generalization. And then take from the people that are doing what they're supposed to do to try and give that to them like it's going to brighten those people's future and make it better. It just doesn't. Time will tell. I think this ultimately, my prediction is this program is not going to end well. And there it may will not ever be, start. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, um, I would be shocked if there wasn't a lawsuit filed against. It always them. goes back to one of the questions I ask myself: Is what does it take to earn the right to whatever? What does it take to earn the right to go vacation for a month and you know not have to work? Well, there's probably a lot of variables Passive income in that you know equation that have to get unlocked in order for you to go and live in Europe for a month. And not have to worry about all the other things that most people on a daily basis have to worry about because they earned it. Yeah, if you're successful, not possible. It's just how can I work for 30 days and not have to work for 30 days? Well, it's the same thing. Of what does it take to? I mean, I mean, shit. If you don't, if you are an entrepreneur and when you travel, you don't bring your laptop or something. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know if you're doing so hot. Well, Uh, because you still need to like, your fire never goes out. You just. You put a little dampering on your fire and you focus that on other things for a short time being. But I mean, I know me and myself how it goes. If I take too much time off of work, I start to get too anxious because I, I, I spent too much time building what you know, this mm-hmm. is to let it just meander out. 
yeah. to your point, yeah, you you should probably a lot of passive income. That's probably a lot of years of hard work to get there. It's and not the problem is not on accident. No, people just see the end result. Yeah, that's another another big problem we've been talking about with social media. Um, a lot of the stuff you're seeing is the end result. Yeah, a lot of these really famous people that are interviewing, you know. There's that uh, Middle Eastern, I think, guy, real clean cut, super good dude. He's a he's a, I think, a nine figure earner. The guy has been in the in the the space for like 26 years. He started the PHP Insurance Agency and then sold. Oh it. yeah, Pat, uh, David Pat Pat Bet. I love him by the way. Yeah, he's he a, keeps it real too. He's a great guy. PBD podcast. I don't think that PHP. I mean, that's a dog shit MLM. I'll call it what it is. A spade is a spade. It's an insurance. I mean, it's, it's the same thing as Ed Milet's insurance company, right? I think, they're pretty, I think they're pretty terrible as well. And but, Ed Milet's a badass, but the product itself. It's terrible. Uh, but going back to what it was, that person did not just like two years ago pick up a phone and start making content. Now they're here. I mean, that dude has been grinding for decades. Oh, oh, multiple, multiple decades. Yeah, multiple decades. Yes. And he's been putting out massively valuable content along the way that all of a sudden people are like, who is this dude? 10 years later, all of a sudden, I've been following his Valuetainment channel for at least four plus years, and he puts out massive value. But what does it take to earn the right to be that level of an influencer, a thought leader, an impact you know, uh, person? It took him multiple decades. Yeah, that guy right? like for Same thing, B of A. What does it take to earn the right to own a home? Well, in their eyes... No money, no credit, Color no closing costs. And that's ultimately, that's I think, one of the issues that we're seeing here today, whether it's, it's hey, precedent. we want the best person for the job, not based on their race, ethnicity, sexuality. We just want the best person for the job. Yep. Same thing, right, on so many other It sets a dangerous precedent that that is... Well, especially for the young... Yeah. You know, I, I love... I like literally... And I, I mean, I, this is a, not the greatest example, but just to show you... That I, I, when I was just on my vacation, I spent more money giving money away to people than I did on my vacation. That's, that's what I find joy in doing. I was in a country where my dollar went way further than what it was going to do for me. So I found a lot more joy in giving money to people that I felt were working hard and didn't have the opportunity. That is all fine and dandy. And that's great. But that's not how it should work in America. <laughs> that's not. Because that's not how our country works. The reason that I can do that there is because our country works the opposite of that. And you get rewarded for hard work. In those places, you just don't. Yeah. So, you know, I, I, th- I think it's great to give and give and give. And I love, I love, I have no issue with any minority group, you know, at all. But to think that that's going to be a positive in the long run for somebody that's not, may not be doing well financially and they don't know how to get to where maybe... I or Matt or another person in the, their minority group that has made it and been successful. They didn't have to do any of the stuff to get there. There's a whole pride of ownership and, and the grind and the losses that teach you things that you just simply cannot attain from being given things. Um, I always joke with people about how I took over you know, f- with my dad's company. I could not have built my dad's company to where I wouldn't be where I'm at if I had to do what my dad had to do, right? I have no problem saying that. But if I ran with this false narrative in my head that like, oh yeah, I could have done what my dad did in 27 years, in two years. No, yeah. he had to build it from scratch. 
I got a, I got a rocket. I got a plane with an engine already in it. Hot. I just had to upgrade it to now a jet. You, now you souped it up. Yeah. It's a completely different, right? But nobody, but I was never given a dime from my dad. That's another funny thing that people, a lot of people think, oh, you got daddy's back. Not a thing. No book of business. He didn't give me any books, no leads. I built it all for myself from scratch with a title, a really nice fancy title. That's how it should be. Mm-hmm. Hey, we're going to give you, you know what? We have a program to give you this house. But when you sell this house, like we own some of the equity, you know, you got to give it back. That, that's a program that would make a lot of sense. Those, those products is, existed when I got my house. Hey, you can't afford your down payment. We'll pay your down payment for you. Mm-hmm. Because when you sell your house, we're going to get a portion of your equity. There has to be a give and a take. You can't just be take, 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 take. Your hand gets stuck out. Yeah. You forget that you got to give. Well, and what, again, going back to what you said is if you don't respect what is required to get it and earn it, you will definitely not no, grow it and care. you won't sustain it. No, you won't care. Therefore, it's all going to be a farce. And ultimately, most of the time, deep down in your subconscious mind, you know that you didn't earn it. You know that you don't deserve it. And you have no fucking clue what really went into you know, gaining it in the first place. So it's one of those things where it will eventually elude you and mm-hmm. go away unless you put in the work. And that's the beauty of that. I, you know, no matter what challenges you face and experience in life, finances, career, your health, when you know you put in the work, like real work to get it, the beauty is if you lose it, you know, you can go back and get it again. Exactly. And probably get even more of it, whatever that might be, because you truly put in the work that no one can take away from you. And that's the beauty of hard work. That, that's one of the things where it sucks, but it builds this hardness and this grit and this ultimately mindset of success that no matter what, no one can take something away from you because you earned it. It was not given. So I think that we're in a relatively slippery slope where a lot of the younger generations, they don't want to earn it. No. And that's, that's a little scary, right? I sound like a fucking old man up in my soap bar. There's a few though. Like, There's but, a few. I mean, I know a couple young. So do I. Yeah, I know. And, and, I, and they're I think, great. Well, and I talked with somebody else about this too. And they were like, every generation wants to bitch about the generation coming after them or the one coming after them. Like back in my day, this, this, and this, but these new kids, these new da da da. But then I think about it because people said that about us Mm -hmm. and I look at us and I would say, I know so many badass, hardworking hustlers that have a mindset of, I'm going to earn everything that I have. And then there's an equal amount of shitheads and people that are fucking off that expect something to be handed to them. And there was in the Gen X and there was in the baby boomers and there is in the Gen Z, there's going to always be this balance, I think. And people will always have something to bitch and moan and critique about the generation before or after them, right? So I digress on that soapbox, but we got some great updates on last week's schedule yep. that ultimately you want to know about when it comes to what Papa Pal said the Fed is going to do. Hot and heavy still. This last week, we had really two big items on the schedule, which was payrolls and unemployment. And what did we see in here? And what is the Fed's response to those reports coming out? 
non-farm payrolls and the non-farm private payroll reports came out. And essentially, it was just a beat on both reports um, positive. It ended up rallying the market in the early part of the day, but the market ended up down quite a bit. Um, that being said, the news was still really good because it's showing that the labor sector is still remaining fairly strong and stronger than expected. But it also tells the Fed that they can remain hot and heavy, more hawkish on their... They have to. Yeah. So 75 basis points is now... The probability of that is what? They like 69% or something like that. I would say it's over 90%. Now? Yeah. So it's it's more likely they're going to do a 75 basis point hike now. Prior, I had said that the market was leaning towards a 50 until that essentially that meeting happened. And now it's way the other way. I reserve the right to be wrong because nobody knows. It's all guesses. Uh, I would say does 75. Following meeting later in the year, we do 50. And then we do another 25 basis point hike. That's 150 basis points, 1.5% between now and year end. I think we do another hike in Q1, another hike in Q2. And then they uh, will either... Or or maybe in Q2, they'll, they'll flatten and they're not doing anything. And then Q3 or Q4 next year, we should start to see talk about cutting of interest rates. That's also going to be another good time to be a mortgage lender because there'll be a refinance boom um, when that comes around. So those are the things that happened last week that were major. Um, We had a huge sell-off in NVIDIA. Um, I had gotten out of that position about six or seven days prior to the big dip, but just chip makers are getting hit really hard. You got to remember what we said uh, prior and past on the podcast about when um, leveraged money or, or loaned money gets expensive. Companies that have very high PE multiples that need to leverage to grow, that stifles their growth quite a bit. A, a bit excuse me. And we've been next to zero for interest rates for so many years since mm-hmm. the financial crisis. This is just a new ballgame. Um, I think for the next few years, you know, index investing is great, but it's not going to be great for the next couple of years because you got to be selective on what you're in and why you're in it when you're in a higher interest rate environment because everything is not just fine and dandy. It's not the sun is shining. What is index investing for those that don't understand it? It's where you just like buy 100% of the S&P 500. And whatever the S&P 500 is, I want that. Um, Or, hey, I'm going to track, I don't know. uh, It's just buying a broad basket of securities and never doing anything except buying that broad basket of securities. And we do that. You're spreading your risk out across many different established companies that yeah. have a proven track record and earned their way earned that could be, their way onto the S&P 500. That could be more risky for the opportunity cost that's mm-hmm. left on the table for not looking at the, the market as a whole. There's a lot because more it's than more 500 of a safe companies. play and bet than it is going after some more speculative? Well, sometimes safe isn't, isn't safe. Like, like this year, bonds are down like 10%. Those are traditionally a safe asset. Yeah. Um, that, that would... And the S&P 500 is never a safe asset. It's a, it's a high-risk asset, even as an index fund. Um, but it would, I think it would be risky to just index and not be more tactical with your approach to investing. It would be the equivalent of just saying, hey... I'm going to go buy this piece of real estate because it's a three, two and a half in a neighborhood that generally has good um, real estate, you know, rentals and, and appreciation. That's like indexing versus going in, I'm going to run a performa on this property and see if this particular property is going to actually be good for me. Oh, 
yeah, the neighborhood is good as a whole, but this house actually isn't going to cash flow me and I'll have negative cash flow because of X, Y, Z. So that's really the difference between tactical and passive or broad-based investing. Most people are familiar with the broad-based, not tactical. We do the tactical stuff because if you're going to be paying me to do something, I'm not just going to buy a fund and like sit at it and look at it. Yeah. What are you keeping me around for? So we're tactical with our approach. And I, my clients get better rates of return because of that. OPEC reportedly agrees to cut global output of oil production by 100,000 barrels per day. Per day. Yeah, which really is nothing. Nothing big. No. Are we seeing some relief at the gas pump? Uh, yeah, but I wouldn't be surprised if oil goes back above $90 a barrel tomorrow. Um, I think that if when I looked at oil futures, they're up like 3% on that news. Um, that can change very wildly, which is the last time I checked. Um, I'm expecting oil now to... It's kind of gone through a down channel. It looks like it broke out of that. I want to see what happens this week, um, especially with this OPEC news. And that'll give me a good idea for next week what I can say, what I'm thinking on oil. But I, I think it'll stay around $92 to $94 a barrel this week. This day, September 5th, 1929, a drop in stocks that became known as the Babson Break occurs. It would be the first of several significant sell-offs that would ignite and begin the Great Depression. Yeah, they don't allow that kind of stuff anymore. Now they shut the market down. Those, uh, I'm not sure. They learned their lesson. Yeah, that's why you'll see like uh, with the meme stocks, like halting and trading. um, A lot of people aren't familiar with the term a market maker. Um, But if you like watch CNBC or anything, like they'll have the disclosures. This guest firm makes a market for BlackBerry or for Apple or for the... That just means that they're in charge of essentially a human auditing the trades and making sure that everything's good. And if they get ordered to shut that market, section the market down, they halt the trading there. Kind of gangster. It's like the gatekeeper for a security. Damn. Um, lots and lots and lots of those stuff, all of the fun stuff. I remember when we first started the podcast, we started talking about dark pools. Yep. Um, this is just another one of those fun, interesting friend facts about investing. Um, but yeah, that kind of stuff can't happen anymore because they won't allow it to happen. They is the Fed. Um, but it's really cool to look back and see like, wow, we went through that. We learned and look what we are and what we have today because of that. At the same time, you, we still have other stuff that comes in the market like meme stocks, mm-hmm. which I don't think are going to go. I just think they're going to be like a area to speculate. Speaking of speculation, uh, Ethereum's um, big update tomorrow that they're supposed to um, get rid of 99% supposedly of their uh, emissions output. That's going to be a huge blow to Bitcoin again. That's why Bitcoin's trading down and Ethereum and Ethereum linked tokens, ERC20 tokens or ERC20 blockchain technology tokens are all doing well and everything that tracks Bitcoin is not doing good. Do I think that's going to spell the demise? No, it's probably going to set up another short-term bull run in Bitcoin, but I think it's going to be kind of a bear trap. Things like we've dealt with with this little bump in the stock market over the past couple of weeks. Uh, I'm expecting some more volatility. I am still sticking to my guns in November. And if you want to find out if I'm right or wrong and be a part of it, 844-447-1555, text word x-ray. We can find out together. NFT world. I thought this was an interesting statistic. January of this year, 2022, there was 17 billion in trading volume across NFT marketplaces. Seven months later, it'll be lucky if it crosses 800 million 
for the month of August. That's a 95% drop. Yeah. I'm not huge on the NFT thing. I said what I said and I, I meant it. I think they're great for like tickets. I mean, that's just what they're good for. But I, again, I already got like QR codes and stuff. And like, that works great. So why am I going to... NFTs are still, I mean, like, uh, you know, shout out to Ryan Pineda for uh, his Tykes, you know, real estate NFT that he dropped. I bought one just to kind of participate, see what he's doing with his community. I was like... I did not know, buy one. <laughs> I like supporting and sharing uh, and seeing what other people are up to. And it, it, it was... I, I would just say it wasn't easy. Like, it's not frictionless. It's not smooth. Like, I think there's a lot of cool NFT projects out there. But in terms of mass adoption, real world value and utility that makes it so easy for people, mindless for people to just be like, yeah, I want to buy that NFT. I want to be a part of that real estate investing community and mastermind. I want to... Like, it's just not there. It's so clunky. There's still gas fees. There's still all of these things that ultimately... And I'm a pretty savvy dude on that side of things. And there was a couple of times where I'm like, the hell's going on here? Like, I got I to gotta figure this out. Like, I had to email support. Like, so I think that, you know, NFTs still have a, a ways to go for sure. Yeah. I, I'm, not, I'm not completely against them the way I think you are. I'm not against them. I just don't, I would never put money in them. Yeah. They're I, just not a, they're not an asset. Yeah. 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 There you go. I they're, think that's, I think not, that's a fair way. They're like a tire. I would never invest in a fucking tire, but I would swear to God, I have four of them on my car right now. So like, I just don't, I do not see it as an asset. That is, again, it's the mindset of people wanting to get rich. So anything turns into a fucking way to get rich. Yeah. It's like well, life I, is a, is, life is not a, just a casino and every slot machine you see, you jam a bill in and pull it. It's just, that's not how it works. Unless you own penny slots at uh I did win a your couple, favorite, your I did favorite win a couple casino. grand this weekend on a on a slot machine in Reno. I did. It was pretty fun. I also won at the blackjack tables. So you were shout home. out. Shout out to Peppermill. Thank you for your money. Shout out Peppermill. If you guys want to sponsor us, don't don't, don't worry. Do Text in eight four 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 seven. I'm already sponsored. You send me free rooms all the time. We, we got a spot for you guys. But no, <laughs> I, I agree with you. I I don't think NFTs are an asset for no, me. It's more about not. access and involvement in a community, and that is the gatekeep to that community, which is the NFT ticket. But again, so complicated. I mean, literally, dude, I, I go buy a ticket at a baseball game. They have my name on a list and they give me a QR code. It's zero friction. Yeah, it's, yeah. Agreed. It just overly complicates something right now. So QR codes, unfortunately, in my opinion, are the Achilles heel right now of NFTs. Because you also can't fake a QR code, which is mm. why they're really good. They're mm -hmm. completely unique. They all look very similar, but they're not. And they're free. So, yeah. I don't think that... QR codes are the arch nemesis right now. to NFTs right now. Yeah, and I or, think that's or, a really good point. And actually, Apple Wallet is also going to be a huge nemesis to that. Because Apple is trying to get people to say, hey... I mean, they just got approval in California, I believe, to do a digital driver's license. So you can have a digital copy of your driver's license has to come out of your Apple wallet and you can show that to a police officer. And now that, so now you don't have to carry your cards on you. There's just companies that are taking all the good ideas and they're just making them into stuff that's already usable, already existing technology. 
And they'll slowly implement that kind of stuff in. But it's too, NFTs are too groundbreaking to be implemented and they just don't work well enough right now. Real estate wrap up, 30 year mortgage rates have pushed above 6% again. They were at, I think, on Thursday, 6.26%, a little bit over 6%. Last Friday, we'll see where they open up this week. But uh, we did see some slowing of inventory, which was interesting, but not unexpected either. Again, being that demand is really curbed right now. And I think a lot of people are not getting the prices that they expected to get as a seller three, six months ago. This mindset, this ideology, has it hasn't come to the current reality of the landscape right now. Correct. So we're seeing actually a lot of canceled listings, things going off of the market. And inventory bottom seasonally at the beginning of March 2022. It's now up 129%. Since then, more than double. You guys are already aware of this. We've been tracking this every single week. Altos reports inventory is up 26.3% year over year. Uh, to give you guys a little context compared to last week, last week inventory compared to two years ago was down 6.2%. Today, inventory compared to two years ago, currently down 5.4%. So despite a slowdown in the once scorching housing market, homes are still selling though at a faster rate and at higher prices than last year, according to new findings by the National Association of Realtors. The association said the current meeting average time for a home on the market in July was 14 days, which was slightly better compared to 17 days a year ago. So people that really think like the market's going to crash, the market is going to get flooded with all types of inventory, we actually saw it swing back a little bit where inventory actually decreased this last week instead of increased. So there is this, I think, slowing of the market, which is a good thing. But at the end of the day, what is out there and available and what demand is still in the marketplace is still meeting each other in the middle and absorbing product into the economy. So I think it's going to be something that, you know, as we get out of, you know, September, we look back at August data. I do believe we're going to see a big slowdown. We're just heading into that time of year where things are slowly going to start to curtail. Um, as we go into the winter months, it's just seasonally what happens every time of the year. But overall, I still think the real estate market is going to hold somewhat stable and steady going into and after the midterms. And then obviously heading into 2023, I think we're going to have more economic variables that are a little bit clear in the picture mm-hmm. that will help people start to strategize and reposition and retool and sentiment and confidence is going to reflect what's going on post midterms. Therefore, I think we'll know what game we're playing going into 2023 with a little bit more confidence. Right now, it just feels a little bit like a house of cards and some stalemate sellers just kind of holding steady buyers going, I don't think your house is worth that much anymore. You got real motivation, stuff's getting done. But for the most part, things are just going to slow down a little bit. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that at all. It's just slowing a growth. As we wrap up schedule of this upcoming week, obviously all U.S. markets are closed in observance of Labor Day holiday today. Mm. Tomorrow we got the Core Logic House or Tuesday Core Logic House Price Index for July, so that'll be interesting. We've got on Wednesday, September seventh, the Mortgage Bankers Association will release the results for mortgage purchase applications. We've got the trade balance report for July. 
We've also got on Wednesday's speech, Fed Vice Chair. Kyle, about uh, 9.30 in the morning. Yeah. On his economic outlook and monetary policy. What, what is there anything I you guys did. are paying attention to on that? No, no, I mean, just what he says, but I think it's going to be a, a reiteration of what he already said. September 8th, the initial weekly unemployment claims report will be released. The consensus is for an increase to 240,000 from mm-hmm. 232,000 the week prior. And we've got a discussion, Fed Chair Powell, at the Cato Institute's 40th Annual Monetary Conference. So again, Powell probably going to you know, trickle some different sentiment out into the market. We'll see what happens there. And then obviously, September 9th, Friday, uh, really nothing. Q- yep. Q2 flow of funds. It is a slow week this Very week. slow week. So... Uh, if you guys got questions for us this upcoming week, again, don't forget to text those in 844-447-1555. We had a lot of questions come in this last week. Uh, we try and pick, you know, two to three. Big shout out to Dustin, Ashley, Jason, and Daniel uh, for sending yours in. Again, if you want to take advantage of your free financial x-ray with Ryan and his team, text the word x-ray come on. to 844-447-1555. We got our Napa, our Wealth, Wine, and Dine and event. Coming up, if you guys want to come to more events, text the word NAPA to that same phone number. My accredited investors, text the word DEALS to that phone number. If you want to participate in the Tour of Tahoe, the Mastermind event coming up in October, you can text the word Tahoe. We got a a few slots left for that. And again, that's for our high net worth individuals that really want to get in an intimate setting around other high net worth individuals. Mm -hmm. It's going to be a great event. We got some really cool stuff planned for you guys there. Um, you can text the word Tahoe. With that being said, we love and appreciate you guys. Keep investing in yourself on your march to a million and beyond. See you guys in next week's episode. Cheers. Cheers. Well, that wraps up this week's episode of Wealth Building Wednesday. Be sure to tune in next week for more news and updates. If you got some value from today's show, all we ask is that you either leave a review on whatever podcasting platform you enjoy listening to this content on or share this with somebody that you know can gain some insight, some value from it. One of the things that you guys know about Ryan and I is You know, we definitely won't say we have all the answers and we definitely won't say we know it all. We just want to bring conversation to the areas, the topics that we believe are really important to bring attention and awareness to, to help you sharpen your ax, put more tools on your tool belt, weaponize you to make the best decisions that align not only with your financial goals, right, but your lifestyle goals. So if you guys want to take advantage of Ryan's free financial x-ray on your investment portfolio, all you have to do is text the word x-ray to 844-447-1555. Most people have no idea what they're being charged from a fee perspective or really in most cases overcharged and whether or not their current investment plan is actually aligned with what they're trying to accomplish and by when. And this is something Ryan does for all of our listeners for free. So be sure to take them up on that X-ray, one word to 844-447-1555. Also, if you are someone who is serious about building your wealth and you're already kind of established, but you want to surround yourself with other like-minded, high net worth individuals, be sure to text WEALTHCAMP, one word, to 844-447-1555 to learn more about our intimate five-star experiences with other like-minded business owners and investors to cross-pollinate, to hear what they're doing, and to have a whole whole hell of a lot of fun while we're doing it. And last, if you want to know more about consulting or getting mentorship directly from me or from Ryan, you can learn more by texting the word MENTOR to 844-447-1555. With that being said, that's all for this week. Until next, keep investing in yourself and your wealth on your March to a million and beyond. Cheers, my friends. 